And welcome back, everyone. This is the Blue versus Green show. This is our final installment of this specific season. Uh, I am your host. I'm Gabe, joined by Walt and Jose. Um, and everything has been said and done for the NFL. Bowl's gone, um, and we are here to give you kind of our predictions or predictions of the futures, or thoughts on the futures, but our reactions on the Super Bowl and your reactions over the uh, season overall. Uh, but before we get started, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Thank you guys for coming back. If uh, if you are returning, if this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, guys, let's go ahead and get started. So um, what did you guys think of the uh, Super Bowl? Let's start there at the Super Bowl. Uh, I was down in, in in Atlanta, and I ended up you know catching the Super Bowl at Jose's house. Awesome yeah. Super Party dude. Um, but, uh, man, I, I, I feel like we might have a, a little bit of differing opinions on how, you know, the Super Bowl ended up, you know, playing out exactly. Um, guys, tell me what you guys thought. Uh, well, my, my, my first thoughts are that Travis Kelsey's a dick and I don't like him. And what he did to Andy Reid was awful, but getting to the actual... Uh, content on the field. Um, as I said very succinctly before we started, one of my, my simple thoughts is, at least at this point in time, Shanahan ain't it. Shanahan ain't it. The play calling was not there. The play calling was stubborn. He was trying to go to the same players that were not built to really succeed against this defense, and I can get into that a little, a little bit later, specifically what I mean. Uh, the Chiefs defense won the Super Bowl. I mean, I know that Mahomes went out there and did what Mahomes does, but the defense was unbelievable, completely shut down in the second half. Uh, it was an unexpected game. We were we really thought that the 49ers were gonna were gonna come away with this, I think, after the first half, although we expected the Chiefs to uh, not 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 the 49ers run away with it. We expected the Chiefs to come back and make a game of it, but um, we did not think that they were gonna win. At least I did not. Um, and man, just a couple of costly, huge, huge plays like that missed extra point, things like that just were all the difference makers. And then we can talk about overtime, but I'll, I'll let you guys give your thoughts before I give too many of mine at the moment. We all think. Yeah, that's 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 kind of interesting. I don't necessarily see it that way on uh, on on Shanahan, um, you know, not being it for uh, getting the chip, getting the Super Bowl. Um, but what, what 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 did you think as far as uh, Shanahan's performance, the 49ers, you know, Mahomes, you know, never count Mahomes out, right? Like that's that's the uh, mm -hmm. that's the, the ongoing theme here. I say never count out the refs, really. That's the truth. But I digress. Thoughts? Well, I, I I will have to say this: this Super Bowl, in terms of the refs, I think the refs did a good job of not making themselves the the headline in this game, you know. Um, you, didn't, you didn't get a lot of calls, any controversial calls, especially toward the end of the game. They kind of swallowed the whistle and let them play. Um, and I, I think everybody has seen, you know, the the other side of that where, you know, they were highlighting every single hold that the Chiefs linemen, linemen were doing against, you know, Bosa and his his crew and stuff. This. But, um, you know, I, I, I was one of the ones that I thought it was going to be the Chiefs that come away with this because, you know what, we counted out the Chiefs last year. We counted out the Chiefs this year. And, you know, they keep finding a way to win, especially with Mahomes. You can never count out the Chiefs as long as Mahomes is getting the ball in the center. And he proved it once again. Um, in terms of Shanahan, Shanahan is 
you know, it's funny because Shanahan has already had four instances where he was either involved in the Super Bowl or was a coach of a Super Bowl. And, you know, the the games have not gone his way. Um, but I'm not ready to count Shanahan out because if that's the case, then we would have also counted out Andy Reid when he was yeah. in Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I said right now. Right yeah, now, yeah. I was going to bring up that Andy Reid point too because he was in the exact same position when uh, back right. when he was in Philadelphia. But, right. Yeah. So, so on that point, you know, yeah, you can say that mistakes were made on Shanahan's part, and again, that goes back to the whole reason why I was kind of thinking the Chiefs were going to win it because experience does count. Experience does play a big uh, part in in these games. Chiefs have plenty of it. San Francisco doesn't, and I think that was very apparent in the game, uh, on, in the Super Bowl. So you know, that's that's just my take on that. Yeah, for me, the reason I don't think that 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 Shanahan is really at fault, you know, to, to honestly at all, you know, uh, you know, mistakes notwithstanding, of course, um, it's because they it was it was Shanahan's office that got him the the points that gave them the lead that they had, that got them, that put them in a position where we thought that they might run away from it or run away with it at halftime. You know what I mean? It was, it was that offense that first of all got them to the Super Bowl and also gave them the lead in the Super Bowl. And the reason I don't think, you know, that, that, that you can, that, that you can count him out is because on top of the fact that, yeah, this is kind of the exact same track record that Andy Reid has had, but it's also, he's lost all his Super Bowls. He's lost to 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 Tom Brady who is the current goat and then the guy that everyone's talking about is about to replace him we've like everyone online and you know all the pundits everyone is saying that you know Mahomes he gets one more chip and Mahomes is suddenly the goat over Tom Brady even though the fact that Tom Brady has eight Super Bowls you know so if if the two if if his losses are only coming to the goats in the entire history of football um, I think that you got to kind of put a little asterisks on that before you say that uh, that he's not it or that he doesn't that he doesn't got it. Now, as far as the overtime, that one was a big, big screw up. Um, I think that uh, that was uh, that's where the the I think the the experience factor kind of comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not being not being experienced enough in these big moments to have prepared for them. Um, you know, obviously Andy Reid has been there, done that, and the whole nine. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, honestly, he should have known better. Uh, but you know, it's it's you know, we also if that extra point was scored, if that if there wasn't if the ball didn't just randomly hit uh, a player's a player's foot, I forget what the player was, a player's foot, and then caused the fumble that ended up giving the uh, the Chiefs, uh, I think, their second touchdown or was it their first touchdown. On I the, think it was the first. It was the first on the first touchdown. So on the punt return, if that ball didn't it didn't freakishly hit somebody's foot, that then forced it, forced the fumble, then we would have been talking about a completely different game where the overtime didn't actually make any, you know, impact. You know, um, but that being said, all these things did happen, and the overtime situation, the the the, the baffling overtime decision to uh, receive the ball first ended up happening. Um, you know, you guys want to talk a little bit about that, the ramifications of that. Um, you know, part of me doesn't necessarily see. I mean, I understand 
that the benefit, obviously the, 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 the intended benefit of being able to like make sure that if you have to use your fourth down and go for it, that you can, you know, for receiving it, but mm-hmm. is it really that bad, that big of a difference to receive it first. Well, here's what I'm going to say to that. And, I'm, you know, before I really, really speak on it, I, I think we got to go back to the experience factor. You know what I'm saying? Because after the game, um, you know, you heard countless San Francisco players saying that they were not aware of the new overtime rules. And conversely, you go to the other locker room and each each and every one of them were saying that not only were they aware, but they were being drilled on it during the regular season. So yeah. that 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 right there is is kind of a damning statement to Shanahan that you know you have your players openly speaking about how unprepared they were for these new overtime rules. And I think that also kind of it kind of informs you on the reasoning by why they took the ball first because they didn't know what the rules were. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think I think it's it's all that kind of rolled up into one thing. Um, and I hate to say it, but you know, we, we're, we're kind of both you and I, Gabe, um, and, and Jose to an extent, we're, we're kind of saying that Shanahan is a, a very good coach that he may have a, a chance of getting these chips in the future. But as of right now, um, especially with that, that overtime rule fiasco, you know, you kind of got to put the blame on him for some for some of these things here yeah yeah absolutely you do got to put the blame on him there's no question about it he's not perfect i don't think any player really is right um uh you know mistakes are going to happen when you're not perfect that's just the way it is yep. but you know the question is can you do enough to to make up for the mistakes that you might have made and you know yeah he did it this time and i think that i think that if you notice every every year he's getting a little bit better you know right. as far as like the management of the game. He's 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 got. I, this is why this is why I think that the offense isn't the problem. He's got the offensive part down. I think that he's got the game time decision um, making not so much. Uh, that seems to have what costed him his issues in in passables. Um, but I also wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the 49ers defense because again we go back to Shanahan. Um, and, and I know that we kind of went on a, a little bit of a back and forth in our, uh, messaging and stuff regarding, uh, who's to blame as far as defensive, uh, and the things go and stuff. Um, but you know, if I get you, you know, a 20 point or double digit lead, and then I got to hand the ball off to you in order for you to then do your part and your job, and then you screw it up. And then I have to then do my job again in order to, win this game it's hard for me to put the losses defensively on shanahan um you know especially when in this game we have evidence of shanahan deciding to to take over the defense in a sense you know calling timeout in order to you know change the defensive uh play because he didn't like the play he thought it was ridiculous even the i mean even who, who were the announcers in this in this game was was tony romo announcing Yes, Tony Romo. And, I, think even, I think even Tony Romo had saw the defense. Uh, I think this was in the overtime play, or maybe in the fourth quarter, where he saw a defensive play call, and then even Tony Romo was like, "I don't know about this one." And then immediately you see Shanahan furiously calling timeout to change the defensive play. So um, it, it's hard for me to put all the blame on Shanahan. 
where do you guys feel the blame goes? Does it go? Is it 50 50 Shannon? Like, you know, offense versus defense? Is it, uh, I mean, I know that Jose, you, you, you think that it's more on the play calling, but where, where's the majority of blame go if we're not talking about the overtime? Let's say, why, why is the reason they even got to the overtime? Well, like I said, I think it's the offensive play calling, and there's a few reasons why I think that. Um, if you look at, the the game a few weeks prior that the the Chiefs played against the Dolphins. I want to make this point that Debo Samuel, although not as talented as Tyreek Hill, is is sort of cut from the same cloth as a Tyreek Hill. Okay. The 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 thing about this is the the way that he's not as good as Tyreek Hill is he's actually a pretty poor route runner. Okay. If you if you give a good look at Debo Samuel, his his greatest asset is he just gets open at with short routes, and then he's one of the best at yards after the carry. Another weakness of his that, that also Tyreek Hill shares that the Chiefs exploited a few weeks ago is that they are both horrible at press coverage. As soon as you start shoving them around, they're, they're, they're not going to get any separation. They're not going to get anywhere. They're going to fall right at the line. They And, you know, I understand you're, you're offensively, a lot of times you want to try to get it to your best player. But by the second half, it was very clear that Debo Samuel was not having a good time of it playing against his defense. The, the players that were having a better time of it were Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk is a much better route runner. Ayuk is much better at getting separation. He's not as good at yards after catch, which is why he didn't have as much offense as Debo Samuel did this season. But he was the guy they should have been looking at more, as well as George Kittle. Where was he all game? They didn't work. They didn't try to work Kittle or Ayuk open. They were mostly trying to go to Debo Samuel. And, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say they didn't, right? But in terms of the amount that they should have been trying to go with a different strategy in the second half, especially when the offense got completely shut down, <coughs> yes, there were mistakes. Yes, there was that, that fumble on the punt. And, yes, it might have been a different game with that mixed extra point. But at the same time, you know, you have to change up the strategy a little bit if the offense completely stops moving in the second half, especially as the lead starts to dwindle. To me, that was a huge problem with Shanahan's play calling. In the second half, maybe more so than the first. And that's why I think that, you know, other than the mistake, other than, like you, know, like you said, the free, you know, punt, you know, hitting, hitting the, the 49ers player in the foot, maybe they might have won this game and stumbled into a win, but the offensive play calling in that second half was not doing them any favors. They were not getting the right men open. That's really interesting you say that because I think that it was it was very obvious that they did a really good job. That the Chiefs defense did a really good job of shutting down Kittle. Um, I can't say that I can recall or remember exactly what the stats are on Ayuk, um, but I know that they were doing a very, very good job. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Ayuk had three catches and Debo Staniel had two. Right, right. Um, I understand. Like, I like 11 I, targets. Right. Like, I understand. Like, targets. But I, I think I think more credit goes to the defense versus the, the uh, play calling because you know the, this cheap defense is what got them into the playoffs, got them to the Super Bowl, and obviously also won them the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know that you you know sure I think that you could say that that Shanahan didn't adjust well to the second half play of the uh, the, the the Chiefs defense. But Kittle wasn't around, not because they didn't want to throw to him. I mean, come on. They've been, you know, looking at him. He's been a star this entire season. But 
the reason that he didn't get any touches is because he just could not get open. The Chiefs prepared really, really well for Samuel and for Kittle. Uh, I can't say about IU because <laughs> I can't really remember. I can't recall how much they were, how, 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 I can't recall coverages on Ayuk and stuff or how often he was getting open. But I think that for the most part, it was a combination of Kittle and Samuel specifically not being able to get open. Um, and then this uh, the defense just crushing the 49ers offensive line. Purdy not having enough time really. Sometimes, sometimes he had a lot of time. He had plenty of time. But most of the game, he had somebody in his face, you know, within two seconds, less than that. So, uh, but Walt, what about you uh, as the the defensive guru here, <laughs> I would say, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? And but then I, on to a couple of the uh, players, and then we can start talking about the Jets and Giants for the season. No, no, no doubt. Um, I, I, I thought the defense, um, Steve Spagnuolo's defense, all the credit goes to Steve Spagnuolo, to be quite honest, because he, he was spectacular in his play calling and things of that nature and stuff. But um, I, I kind of have to go back to Shanahan here because um, Shanahan has been billed as this offensive guru. You know, um, we, we, we've talked about this before, you know, with Brock Purdy, game manager, not game manager and stuff. And one of the things that always comes back to it is the fact that Shanahan has a great way of getting people open. That's how he schemes up his things, which in turn helps his young quarterback because now instead, you know, he doesn't have to make those pinpoint accurate throws because these guys are just running all over the place and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, if we're going to build him on that level where he is, you know, this great offensive mastermind, then we're going to also have to ding him on the fact that, you know what, in the second half, that offense did absolutely nothing. And again, while I'll say that Steve Spagnuolo's scheme was very, very good, conversely, if we're going to say that, you know, Shanahan is this great offensive mind, then you know what? He should have found a way to make adjustments at halftime or adjustments within game to be able to get these guys open, whether it, you know, start focusing on the screen pass, you know, do some do some wheel routes here and there and stuff like that. And we saw none of that. He didn't, we didn't see an effort like to Jose's point where we're talking about George Kittle as a weapon. He's one of their biggest weapons in that pass game. You know what I'm saying? We're just the same way that Kelsey is. Kelsey found a way to do it. Kittle didn't. Now, whether you blame that on the player or the coach or the, the scheme, but the fact of the matter is Kel Kittle was taken out of the game effectively completely. Right. Yeah. And then, and then in the second half, they took everybody else away. A good coach, a, a guy that, like I said, we bill as this offensive mastermind should have and could have found a way to get around that stuff. And quite frankly, he didn't. So for right. that, you know, I got to kind of put this on Shanahan's shoulders once again. And again, the dude is learning. You know what I'm saying? He's been he's been a head coach for what, like three or four years now. So this is still a learning curve for him. Now, the question is, and you've heard it before, Rocky, right? You know, everybody has a plan when they get hit. What do you do? Right, exactly. So now the interesting thing is we've seen Shanahan in this in this position before with Atlanta, with San Francisco previously, you know, their last Super Bowl and stuff like that. Are we going to see him learn? Because that's going to be telling on whether he's going to be a very, very good coach slash great coach 
or he's just going to be just another guy like a, a Norv Turner or, or stuff that good enough to get you there, never good enough to win it. Yeah. I mean, just to add on the Kittle point for a second, also like in comparison to Kelsey, a lot of times when they weren't able to get Kelsey open early because he didn't have a good second half and then he went off in the second half or a good first half, excuse me. Right. And then he went off in the second half. What they started to do was throw straight away to him in the flat to get him going. I didn't see that and attempt that with Kittle once. That is exactly. not good play calling. That's That was a big mistake. And I just want to give a quick shout out. We can talk about this a little bit more, but like, yes, Dagnolo's defense was also fantastic. Credit has to go to that. Um, and watching film and things like that. And one of the things that blew me away was there was a third and 14 play where the Chiefs schemed up a cover zero, which is almost completely unheard of in the NFL at that kind of distance and down. And the way that they were able to rotate their men from the short routes to the, to, to, to just transfer them to the deep safeties or to the deep cornerbacks on that play. I mean, Credit to the play callers, credit to the defense, the individuals on defense, but the way that they were able to scheme up defenses that you wouldn't normally use in certain situations and still be successful is also, to me, pretty incredible about the Chiefs defense and all credit to them as well. Well, I mean, so it might be my inherent bias. I, you know, yearn for the days uh, where uh, we could have Spags back over here in New York, to be honest with you. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to say that it was the, the defensive guru just outsmarting the offensive guru. When it's something like that, it's almost like a flip of a coin toss. Um, uh, I'm leaning a little bit. Towards I'll, I'll, always, I will, uh, I'll always put it to the defense. I'll always put it to the defense. I, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you're giving me examples right here, Jose, of like how like he's doing like this, these amazing uh, schemes and play calling. But we'll leave it there. One thing that I do want to point to as far as what Spag says, Spag says specifically about Purdy that, you know, that after watching the film, watching the tape, preparing for this game, he he, he himself, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he doesn't think that he that, that Purdy is a, a, a game manager. He himself, he knows he can hit the throws. He knows he can hit the plays. He knows when he's got everybody shut down, that Purdy's still a threat, that if he can get a little bit of space, he's going to run with it and go. So, so, you know, some, some people online are saying that, you know, Spags is just being nice or he's being paid to say it or whatever it is, but I don't know. I think that like, you know, Spags, who would know, who would know more about the quarterback than the person that has to prepare the entire team for him, you know, Spags would, right? So you guys, I know that Jose, you say that, uh, he was, you, you said that he was the best player on the, uh, 49ers, uh, um, team. I, I think so as well, um, you know, what, what are you guys thinking about Purdy? Walt, uh, I know. Let's start with Walt since we already got a little bit of Jose's opinion. I'll throw it back to you, Jose. I, I, I kind of disagree with the fact that Purdy was the best to play on that team because, okay. you know, what if they had one, um, clearly the MVP of that game was CMC. There is no question in my mind he was the best player on that field outside of Patrick Mahomes. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. But, but was it by, by statistics or by volume? Because his running, he was averaging three point three yards per carry. That's not an MVP, if you ask me. That's really poor. Twenty was it? Twenty two rushes for eighty yards. Three point three point three. How many catches did he have? How many catches did he have? Sure, sure. But how, who was throwing them to him? Brock Purdy. I mean, when when he was asked to make the play, he was the one making the plays. It was him and CMC. It wasn't anybody else. And at the end of the day, Purdy didn't have the best game, but. He had a solid game. It was it was about as good as any other game he's had this playoffs that they won. 
So this is this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say to that because you know what you want to say that that was Brock Purdy and all that stuff, but those those passes to to CMC, they were two or three yard passes that he then created yards after catch. So let's not let's not make it that you know Brock Purdy was throwing eighty yard bombs and he was just taking it the the, the extra five yards into the end zone. You know you got to give credit where credit is due, and and. CMC was creating yak car yak yards after that. So, you know, I not listen, I'm not saying anything bad about Purdy. And I know that me out of all three of us here have been the most critical on Purdy. And I admit that. And I'm starting to come around on Purdy. Okay. But again, you know, you've got to look at the team that he has, and that has to have that has to play a part in this and stuff like that. So again, I will give credit. To Purdy because the kid is cool under pressure, and that's something that you can't teach, right? That's something that's inherent in in himself. He makes the right decisions, and that I think is a credit to the coaching staff, right? That has coached him up. He also he also is very accurate in some of his throws. Now, some of the throws that he had in the Super Bowl weren't the most accurate, and that you can kind of dial up to the fact that he was under pressure a lot and stuff. But he did have some I, happy I, situations too, though here and there, some right. some happy you know, situations I, that you didn't see in earlier games. Exactly, and again, that that boils down to the fact that he was under immense pressure by that defense. You know what I'm saying? But I I, I still have to say that you know what the best player on the team on the field on that side for me is always going to be Christian McCaffrey because you know, like I said, especially in that second half, you know, he he was really really pushing this team forward and you want to say 3.3 yards a carry but you know what at the same time he's he's going up against the defense that is really going to shut they're looking at him to shut him down you know what i'm saying it's not like this is a this is a cat where you know he's a no name that all of a sudden they're actively looking to stop him so i mean you know just just a, a quick point on that too though that's that's kind of another reason why i have to like take a little bit away from Shanahan because when you're stacking a box against CMC, you're not telling me a screen pass is, is a, a good alternative to Kittle. That's like one of the best exactly. things you could call in that situation. When you have eight men in the box, let them rush you, throw the ball to the sideline. Guess what? You're going to get six, seven, eight yards, maybe a first down on that a lot of times. So that mm-hmm. kind of takes away from Shanahan also in my, in my opinion. Based yeah. On that I, 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 Again, this is this is one of those games that I kind of feel like I want to rewatch and study and stuff because I it's yeah. it, it there's got to be a reason why he was not able to do that or call the, or didn't call those plays after an entire season of calling those exact kind of plays. <coughs> um, so I feel like there's got to be a reason for it. Um, on 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 the whole. Purdy versus CMC uh, debate and stuff. Um, I I would say that I land a little bit kind of like in the middle, a little bit more neutral. Maybe I lean a little bit more towards Purdy. Uh, I think um, I think some of those short passes, yeah, there was a lot of passes that were short passes, but some of those short passes had to be like these, you know, the, these 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 cool like little side arms and and pitches and stuff because he didn't really have any of the options um some some threading the needle kind of passes even if they were short because there was nothing else you know the reason they're all short is because of the pressure that he was facing so he didn't really have the chance to 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 throw deep and nobody's getting open so how do you throw deep to a player that's not getting open so it's it's one of those that's not purdy's game anyway though 
Purdy's game Purdy's is not. Yeah. That's not necessarily true because even though even though they they they, I think the the Shanahan offense uh, offense uh, it clearly looks to chip away, chip away, chip away, quick open shots and stuff. A lot of involvement with Kittle. Um, we've seen Purdy make big throws through too. Just because he doesn't throw, well, just because there aren't a lot of big throws, doesn't mean that he can't do them. See, so. that's a myth too. Because if you look at the statistics this season, the highest, the, the the quarterback with the highest average yards in the air was Brock Purdy. It was Brock Purdy this season. He had the longest throws out of any starting quarterback. There so, you go. I um, mean, and what are the yak yards for for the, for the team though? No, no, this is not including yak. This is not including. This is in the air, in the air, in air passes, not including yards after catch. So, and I want to give that a caveat. Also, he's actually not a deep ball guy. He's a medium deep ball guy. He likes to throw it in that fifteen, maybe yard range, fifteen to twenty, which is why he he is one of the num- one of the best in that in that area. But yeah, he's not necessarily as good. You saw it in this game with a couple of missed throws to Debo Samuel deep uh, on a, on a touchdown at one point, uh, where he turned Samuel around on a on a, a play where he was wide open in the end zone on a deep throw. So. There's kind of a nuance there when it comes to Brock Purdy. Uh, I don't think that there's the, that he just throws these little dinks and dunks uh, like everybody thinks he he does. But he's also not a huge deep threat either. If you look at it in more detail, either way, either way, one thing that we can all agree upon is that the Brock Purdy debate is not over. Even though I feel like it should be over, but it seems like he needs to win multiple chips just for uh, critics. And I'm not saying us, but critics out there to finally silence them, si- silence the debate and stuff. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to get on one more point on Purdy, but we're running a little bit later. We got a lot more to get to just because I do still want to kind of chirp a little bit on that Kelsey situation with Andy Reid. Um, and we do also need to kind of talk about the Super Bowl aftermath of the parade. Just a quick note, you know, um, that, 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 what happened at the celebration at the, uh, with the parade, the Super Bowl parade, it's, it's unbelievable that that's a thing that we still have to worry about in this day and age where you know it's 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 you know you can't even go and celebrate without the fear of something like this happening even if it wasn't you know a the typical mass shooting and this is the, this is the messed up part the typical mass shooting that we see right where it's a disgruntled person or just like blindly shooting this seems to have been allegedly an argument between a couple of people that ended up happening at the wrong time wrong time wrong place and a lot of people mm-hmm. end up getting caught in the crossfire the fact that it even happened at all or the fact that this is just another one of those conversations that we're having with, with that seems to be like on a weekly basis is a tragedy and uh and and it absolutely sucks it puts a a huge um you know taint on this season honestly it's one of the this is one of the best seasons ever even though like our teams uh had i think possibly you know some of the worst seasons that we've ever had but overall i think that the overall consensus is that this is one of the best seasons because it was so unpredictable uh with the exception of the chiefs winning i think that uh vegas wrote that script a couple years ago and handed that in so um i just wanted to make that point real quick on the uh super bowl uh, parade tragedy the chiefs win tragedy um but um shout out real quick to the good guys that did not have guns who stopped the bad guy with with a gun in this situation because he was tackled by a couple of people uh 
as uh, well as a couple of Reed and some of the players, you know, taking taking it on their own to like you know put their lives on the line to help protect others as well. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't know what's going on, and you know, you don't know if 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 there's somebody that's you know 500 feet away from you or five feet away from you, and and you know they took it upon themselves, Andy Reid specifically, on you know uh, covering up some kids or some people and um and making sure that they were good, they were safe and and calm and all that. So. Um, Andy Reid is uh, football Santa Claus, man. That guy's a saint. Football Santa Claus. And you know who's on the naughty list? Travis Kelsey, I think. And most oh, people. Gosh. Oh, I, you called him a dick. I in initially I was like, you know, also like it was a dick move. It was a jerk move. I personally actually don't have that big of a problem with what happened. To me, me, neither. me neither. Me neither. Yeah, this is this is yeah, like kind I, of a normal thing. I've I've had these situations with my own like you know like athletes that I train in, in martial arts and stuff like that where absolutely. we kind of heated in public and that's the issue. And I usually have I have to do what Andy Reid had to do with Travis. Actually, I, I uh, Andy Reid handled it with like the most polite Santa Claus kind of way. He's like, "Hey, I love your passion, brother, but I got I got cameras all over me and stuff," you know. Um, when I've had to deal with that situation, it is kind of that same thing. Like, Hey bro, you know that I have no problem with like, you know, how you feel and all that stuff, but there's people here looking and you can't talk to me that way. I've had those situations. I have no problem with, uh, that happening. Um, because I've done, I try- I've done it to teammates. I've done it to teammates. The thing is, hold on, before I let you go real quick. Yeah. The thing is, what I want to say is that I trust in the relationship that they have. This isn't a, you know, this guy just came onto the team and he's talking to the coach like this. The context that I take away from it before anything is that these guys have been together forever. They do commercials together. They, you know, they're, they, I'm sure that they are more of a family than anything. So taking that into the context, I don't have that big of a problem with it. A new guy, I don't know. you're getting shot. See, I don't know if you heard the Kelsey brothers on their podcast, and because he did mention that, and you yeah. know, he said, "Yeah, you know what? I, that was kind of a dick move." He he admitted it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He but, took ownership for in the whole nine. That's the other thing too. Right. You know. And, but the other thing is, like, you know, he 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 said exactly what you said. You know what? He's 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 like Papa. You know what I'm saying? He's he, we we have this type of relationship, and you know what? That's what happens in competitive sports. You know, like like I like I said, you know, Bill Parcells had it with some of his players. We've seen it with with the Jets and Quinn and Williams infamously screaming at uh, Ulbrich last year because you know what he wanted them to put more more faith on the defense and stuff like that. These are things that happen. You know what I'm saying? I like I said, I've done it personally where you know what I I grabbed a teammate on the field by his face mask and dragged him off to the sideline because I wasn't happy the way he was playing. He was my best. He was my best friend at the time. But you know what? You're you're playing a competitive sport. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes emotions do get the best of you. But that doesn't mean that it's disrespectful or anything like that. You just have to be present in the moment at the time and understand that afterwards, you guys are a team. And I think I think Kelsey clearly knows that. You know what I'm saying? I I don't. Maybe the optics of it look bad for people who don't know. Um, but I didn't have a problem with it when it happened first, and I don't have a problem with it right now. Here's the issue. I don't have a problem with the passion. I don't have a problem with the shouting. 
I have a problem with him damn near knocking over a 65-year-old man. You can say that, Gabe, because you're a young man. If somebody tries to come at you, you're a jujitsu instructor, bro. There's a big difference between that and a 65-year-old overweight man. You know what I mean? I, that really crossed the line, man. Is, no, that's why I got to push back. That's why I got to push back because the thing is that like he's not seeing a 65. He's seeing his coach. It's, to them, everyone is like age doesn't matter. Everyone's there on a football team. There's football players, football coaches, football personnel, football, 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 you know, and it's all under the premise and the umbrella of, you know, kind of football culture mentality, a lot of testosterone, a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, chest bumping and thumping the whole nine and stuff like that. And, you know, you look at your coach as one of the guys, not as a, you know, and not as your grandpa. So that's, but you know, do I, you, I think do that's you a, honestly, do you honestly believe Kelsey went there and, and said, I'm going to push this old guy down to the ground. I think that was just inadvertent. I, I yeah, don't that see that as that being as being him purposely running running down from like the fifty yard line and say, "I'm going to tackle this guy so he can listen to me." I don't. I, I don't think that's. He, I didn't say he did that, but he certainly did a little bit more than he should have, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. Next thing, to you. You know what I mean? All right. So I think that's enough <laughs> on the Chiefs. We Chiefs enough. We know that we're definitely going to probably most likely uh, hear more than our share or our desire to hear about the Chiefs next year and throughout the season, throughout the throughout the offseason, not just because of the Chiefs themselves and home, but, you know, swift power. Um, it is what it is. But it's time that we get a little bit of a, a little bit of a discussion going on the Jets and Giants this season. I want to get started with the Giants as the sole Giants representative here. Just my overall thoughts on the season. As I mentioned before, I think that the season was an extremely disappointing one, probably one of the most disappointing seasons that I've uh, that I can recall uh, in my short tenure as a Giants fan. Um, you know, that short tenure being 20 years now. Um, but uh, I, I, I would say that, you know, despite how disappointing it ended up, it ended up coming out. Again, I'm a big per I'm a big a big believer in context uh, matters and in the context of everything, under the situation that, that the Giants kind of had to deal with, things that we, you know, sure, there were mistakes that were made in all areas of the football team um, on the, you know, coaching side, on player personnel side, on injury side and stuff like that. There were a lot of these issues. I mean, you know, but if we're going to also give Shanahan the, 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 that shadow of a doubt that he's you know, three years and he, three years as a head coach and he's learning. And we got to give that to Dable also. It's his second year. He made some mistakes and I can only hope that he's going to get better. You know, uh, if he doesn't get better and he gets worse, then, you know, uh, that, that's a little bit of a different story there. We do know that there's going to be the cloud of Bill Belichick weighing over uh, Brian Dable this season. But overall, I'm not entirely disappointed with the Giants season uh, overall just because of under the context of losing Daniel Jones, losing, you know, all the players that we that, that, that we lost, uh, you know, uh, as far as um, the injuries and stuff, everything that we went through in the season and then kind of coming out from that a little bit towards later, towards the end of the season and even having a little bit of a playoff hope for three weeks, you know, it, it you know, it goes to show me that there, even though it might be a little bit up and down, okay, it's flowing in the right direction, in my opinion personally. 
Um, I think, especially with Shane, you could say what you will about Babel, but with Shane specifically, I think that we got the right guy in, in, in Shane. I think that push comes to shove, he has to get rid of Dable. I think that he won't have any trouble getting rid of Dable if he had to. I don't think that he has to. And, you know, I have a lot of certainty for the, with the future of this franchise, um, because of Shane and because of like the little things that we've done um over the last couple of years and stuff um you know and, and you know this this upcoming draft seems really promising um it sounds rumors sound like we're gonna definitely be picking up a uh a second quarterback you know a backup quarterback um whether that's high on the priority list or not um that remains to be seen but i think that uh daniel jones is gonna have to have another prove it year if he makes it back um or you know at, at least prove it that he belongs somewhere so um, all of that again goes to my belief that 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 Shane is the man and he knows what he's doing, and I put all my trust in Shane before anything else on the Giants, and I'm very comfortable with the future of the Giants. So I I truly can't wait for you to give Salah the same grace as a third year coach that you gave to Shanahan and Dable when we talk about the Jets later. Um, I have a hard very time. Big, hold on, there's a very very big difference there, oh, and we know oh, that we know that. What's the difference? Please tell me what it is that Dayball is known as being uh, kind of a dick to his personnel. Is that the difference? Look, I don't, I don't want to get into it because I, I knew. Well, that you don't want to get into it. Bring it up. I don't know. You're going to agree with this. Kind of sarcastic because I knew you were going to like what about it and say that it's very different. But let's get to the Giants. I don't get to defend myself. We're going to talk about the Jets later. We're going to talk about the Jets later. You can talk about it then. We can talk about it then. Um, okay. So anyway, I can't wait until you give him that grace. Um, with the Giants, this was a difficult season for me to gauge, um, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm actually having a tough time gauging both of these teams right now. I still don't feel far enough removed from the season for some reason. I, I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe it's because it was just uh, so many weeks of like pure misery uh, having to watch these two teams with a couple of rays of light somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm, I'm mostly being sarcastic. I do think that Dable definitely deserves a few more chances with the team because of the fact that he has had some playoff success and he has had some success overall in making midseason adjustments uh, and bringing a team that, for all intents and purposes, should have been at the bottom of the barrel all season into a place where the record wasn't necessarily respectable, but the result was. Um. I'll agree with you. Shane is probably the man for this team right now. I don't blame him for the offensive line issue so much because the man has been drafting like 14,000 offensive linemen over the last few seasons. There's not much you can do about it. I mean, it's just hard to draft a good offensive line. Both of our teams suffer from that. Should it be this bad? Probably not. Um, but that's, that's kind of an ongoing discussion and we have to see what happens in this next season when, uh, when we see what they do to bolster the offensive line, uh, I'm sure there'll be a number of changes after the season that some of these players had on the offensive line. Um, the issue, to me, the biggest issue that I'm having is that now you just have such an uncertain commodity in Daniel Jones. And I think that's a huge problem. Um, and, you know, we have that same issue also. We have an old man at quarterback. But when you're paying him $40 million a year and after his supposed prove, prove it seasons where he got to the playoffs and earned the right to be the starting quarterback to yes, have a difficult season because of the offensive line and, 
you know, that's a big part of it. But to have to have another prove me season after you already had your prove me season and sign the big contract is very concerning. I'm not saying Jones ain't it. Remember, like I was one of the guys early in the season that was giving a lot of credit to Daniel Jones, although I think he started to fall apart after the pressure was just getting to him. It was just too much. And he started to make a lot more mistakes. That's why he got benched eventually. And it was the right thing to do. Oh, injury, injury, notwithstanding. Um, I mean, there's a lot of positive strides y'all took on defense this season. That's going to be interesting, obviously, with Wink no longer being there. Are you going to be able to build on that momentum? Uh, is it going to be the type of situation where, like you said a couple of times this season, Gabe, um, maybe Wink's system was a little too complicated and this team will thrive under a de different defensive coordinator? The jury is still out for me on that one because when this team was thriving under Wink's blitz-heavy system, holy shit, were they thriving. So you want to see whoever jumps in to the role this coming season. You want to see them keep some of those, those blitz heavy packages, I think, and play to those strengths, especially since we, I, I feel like a lot of the defense is probably going to be similar to what it was with the giants this year. I think the offense is obviously going to see a lot more fluctuation. We'll probably see a wide receiver, some offensive linemen. Uh, you know, we're going to get a new quarterback, even though it might not be the starter for the giants, but it's, Man, it's just like being a fan of these two teams, right? Everything about this season was fucking bittersweet, you know, because you had some things to really cling to. And yes, like you said, Shane is making some great moves. There are some positive things that you see. Some of the wide receivers are actually starting to show up uh, that that the Giants were expected to, to get some production out of. Um, but then you also have the uncertainty of what's going to happen with Saquon. So... <sighs> I mean, it's hard for me to give a, a rating or a positive or a negative emotion. It's just like freeform thoughts about what happened with the Giants for me this season. I think the jury is still going to be out, honestly, for me, until I see the start of some of what they're going to do this offseason. Uh, because they can certainly build something great off of this. I don't think that there's any doubt about that. But it can also go south really fast, as we saw at the beginning of the season with both of our teams. But we're talking about the Giants now. And it went south really fast. So I'm hoping that that's not what we're going to see next season with another adjustment period, the different coaches and all of that. Well, so for, for me with the giants, um, I'm kind of ambivalent with them. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, throughout the season last year, I think I, you know, during our, our shows here, I, I kept on asking the question, what are the giants? Are the giants, the, the team that we saw to start 2022 or are they the team that ended up um you know 2022 with that with that run where they were not as not as good going forward and you know i think 2023 kind of answered that question a little bit for me um you know this is a team that's still in flux this is a team that clearly needs a a in you know an influx of talent, especially on the offensive side, especially on the wide receiver side. Um, I think the defense for them is shaping up pretty nicely. They have some key elements in place. They have Dexter Lawrence. They have Kayvon Thibodeau. They have Deontay Banks. That's a good, solid foundation to start a defense with. And, you know, um, bringing in, you know, some of these guys like McKinney and, um, you know, the, the Okereke was, was a find you know, a gem in the rough, you know, for them. Um, 
So the, the defensive side, I'm not as worried about. I do worry about at that offense. And I think that's something that we had worries and concerns going into the season last year. Those were never addressed. Um, I hate to say it, but Darren Waller was an extreme disappointment. Um, and I'd be surprised if he's still on this team next year. Um, but there, there are things that this team needs to do in order to be competitive in the NFC East. Um, they're clearly not close to the good teams in terms of the Philadelphias and the Cowboys of the world, but they do benefit from the fact that they are in the NFC East, which is not the greatest conference right now in terms of talent, but that is slowly changing because you've got some teams that are, that are rising. The giants are going to have to find a way to keep up. Um, in terms of the coaching staff, again, I'm ambivalent with them. You know, Dayball has shown some good things. Dayball has shown some bad things. I, I was extremely critical of him last season based on his treatment and of his players, you know, um, in, in terms of that. We got that report from, you know, that kind of highlighted a lot of the issues with that coaching staff. And, you know, a lot of people can say that's rumors and things of that nature. But, you know, Wink Martindale leaving, um, the difficulties that they had in terms of finding a defensive coach to replace him, I think some of that stuff is true. But the, the good thing about it is that these things are correctable. And you're talking about a coach that is now entering his, what, his third year in the league as a head coach. These are all, these are all teachable moments for him. And so I think um, there is a good platform for this team to improve going forward. The draft and free agency is going to really define what this season is going to look like for the Giants. And um, in terms of the draft, I really do believe that you got to start looking for an alternative to Daniel Jones. Um, and maybe that starts with the first round pick of the Giants this year. Well, I think that's what the rumors are. The rumors seem to be that they're going to be uh, looking. I think JJ McCarthy, I think, is the uh, the guy that they, that that's been uh, tied to the Giants. That's um, a scary so, thought right there. So, huh? that's what? a scary thought right there. You know, why you say that? Well, you know, there there is a you know when I'm not a big college football fan, you know, but I, I do follow I do follow players and I do follow you know, the big names, especially around this time. This time is around the time that I like to kind of like dig into stuff like that. Um, and with quarterbacks, it's a tricky thing. But, you know, you look at some of the quarterbacks, J.J. McCarthy being one of them, and you wonder, are they a product of team or are they a product of talent? And for me, and this is just me personally, I think McCarthy is a product of team because he is surrounded by playmakers on that team. On, the, on that Michigan team, Wolverines team. Um, and you look at some of the other quarterbacks that are in this draft and their teams are not as great, but they have found a way to uh, overcome that and make their teams great. I don't know if J.J. McCarthy is one of those guys. So that's why I say, Ugh, you know. We'll see. I mean, I think that what, what's most likely going to happen is that they're going to go with, uh, uh, you know, uh, an offensive lineman on the uh, for their first pick because I think that it's just going to cost them way too much to get to the top three, and right. the quarterbacks that they want are going to be gone in the first four. 
So if the quarterbacks are going to be gone, then keep the pick that you got. Get yourself an offensive uh, uh, tackle or lineman uh, generally, uh, just because that's they're all going to be available at number six. And get yourself a J.J. McCarthy in the second round. We're going to have Tommy DeVito on the practice squad. Yeah, it makes most sense. We're doing Tommy DeVito on the practice squad next season. <laughs> Tommy DeVito, I don't know if Tommy DeVito's gonna, yeah, I mean, he's gonna be in the practice practice squad for sure. I think that's that's where because Terrell Taylor's not getting re-signed. He's available, but I think yeah. it's already been uh, uh, discussed. And the way that they played him towards the end of the season was more of a like, hey, get your last games here as a giant because um, you're not coming back. Basically, that's what it felt like. Uh, I'll take him, but but yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, as the Jets, I think the Jets will take anybody at this point. So <laughs> I mean, he'd be a solid backup. He'd be an actual solid backup, clearly, after yeah, the yeah, yeah, was, no, Like I said, I think that I think that we have, you know, the right team in place to uh right the ship that has been wrong for quite some time. So um all right. So now the Jets. Who wants to get who wants to start? I'm not ready. Well, you go first. <laughs> my brain my brain my brain ain't brain. My emotions are too emotional, so I'm gonna let you go first. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface the fact oh, that, man. you know, um, the Jets, uh, their first year, I believe they won four games, right, um, under Salah. Their next year, they they were they were actually at one point, you know, they won seven, but actually at one point they were five and two under Salah before kind of like the, the floor kind of disappeared underneath them. Mm-hmm. And you look, you look at this team this this past year. They won seven games, also. And you know, it is a it was a frustrating 2023 campaign. I mean, you know, the most jet thing to happen was to have Aaron Rodgers go out on that field on September 11th and last four plays, right? I mean, that is that is the most jet thing that can happen, right? But that being said, um, you know. Yeah, during the season it was frustrating, but now that you take a step back here, um, I don't think it is as bad as you know we kind of felt it at the time. I think I that that team was uh, you know a victim of all this hoopla and expectation because Aaron Rodgers was here. And if you look back at it, given the struggles that they had on offense, especially given the fact that you know. Um, their quarterback's situation was really, truly, you know, uh, a, a carousel in terms of, you know, who's going to play, who wasn't, how long is Zach going to be there. Then we had Trevor Simeon, then we had Tim Boyle and things like that. And for that team to go out and win seven games, um, I, I'm almost going to say it's a minor miracle if you think about it, you know what I'm saying? Given yeah. how bad that offensive was, that offense was given how many different offensive line combinations that that team went through uh given the fact that i believe in the jets and giants game that team was down to one healthy backup on the line you know for that team not only to be not only to win seven games but even to be in the discussion of a playoff hunt in early december you know you look back at it now and it's like how in the world did that even happen you know what i'm saying well, given all the yeah. the struggle all of the things that occurred to that team 
you know, Salah keeping that team together when, quite frankly, that easily he could have lost the team very, very easily, and he kept them believing all the way to the end. So, you know, that being said, I think, you know, you look at this upcoming 2024 season and you look at it with, you know, optimism because hopefully Aaron Rodgers does come back and he stays healthy. You know, you're going to be looking at revamping an offensive line that really has some talent to begin with because you look at Joe Tipman, he's a solid center. Um, if he had probably played, you know, this entire season as a center, we may be talking about him as an all-rookie center. You have AVT that's coming back from some freakish injuries, and he's got plenty of talent. Lakeland Tomlinson, you know, say what you want about him, but at least he played all 16, 17 games, which that I, I think is an accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? And just look at the team in general. You have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. You have Brees Hall as a as a as a running back that's coming back healthy, coming off of an incredible season. You look at Garrett Wilson. You look at Tyler Conklin, who had his best year as a tight end with those quarterbacks. You look at the defensive side: Quinn and Williams, Quincy Williams, um, Jermaine Johnson. This is a team that is stacked with talent. And so I think we've always said going back before the Giants, the Jets are like one quarterback away. Now, clearly 2023, clearly 2023 kind of dispelled that myth because we're a quarterback and a lot of offensive linemen away. But and a couple of wide receivers. Yeah, and we need more receivers, right? But the thing about it is with the Jets. We've always said that it, even with average play, that Jet would have been a, uh, that Jet team would have been a playoff team. Last year, if we had average play on the on the quarterback side, that team would have been a playoff team. If Aaron Rodgers played, despite the fact that they had all these issues last year, that team would have been a playoff team. So I think I think the Jets are not as in dire straits as everybody wants to believe because the foundation is rock solid for that team. And it's just a matter of making sure that we can keep Aaron Rodgers upright and we can get some wide receivers for him. But otherwise, I, I happen to think that the Jets' outlook going into 2024 is pretty rosy. It's, uh, it's, 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 so it's interesting. Um, I, you know, um, I'm not sure if you're referencing me specifically on like uh, how I feel like the Jets uh, situation is dire. I do think that it's dire, no. but I don't think it's dire for 2024. I think that 2024 looks great. I think that it's dire for the future after that. And I'll get into that in a moment. Um, I agree with that. I agree with that because yeah. you know what? we don't have a we don't have a quarterback of, the, of our future behind Aaron Rodgers right now. Right. So, um, but as far as this season, we're talking about this past season. And again, I, I, I think um, when it comes to this season, it was a disappointing season, as I mentioned, for both teams. Um, I think more so for the uh, the Jets, because the higher the expectations, the you know bigger the disappointment when you don't meet them. So, um, but as you said, just like I, we all just heard, you know, the Jets do have kind of a stacked team on special teams, on defense and even on offense with the especially with the exception of the uh the o-line um you do have uh some 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 options there you definitely need some wide receivers and you gotta fix that o-line and finally get yourself a quarterback but um overall 
I think that the biggest detriment to this season was uh, just just lack of leadership. And this is this is what my gripe and the difference that I think is in Salah versus Dable. And I before you 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 gripe and all that um, about like my singing praises for for Dable. I wasn't giving him singing praises. I was giving you confidence. And the, and the reason for that is because whether you <laughs> like or dislike, you know, love it or hate it, how Dable coaches and how he runs his team and how he leads his team he's gonna lead it and run it the way that he wants and you and it's and it's and you can be sure of that with Salah that's the one thing that we don't know necessarily we don't know we haven't seen examples of like cohesive leadership from him it's so much indecision so much oh well that wasn't my decision it was Woody's decision or you know that's not the guy that I wanted, or I didn't really want to do this. I didn't want to do that. So then, so then, why are you head coaching if there's so much of I didn't or I couldn't or it wasn't really my call? You know, um, and I disagree that he's what kept the team together. I think that that was Aaron. I think Aaron Rodgers is what kept the team together. I think that you know, for the most part, and I felt this the previous season, the 22 season. For the most part, the team didn't have faith in Zach Wilson. And I think that they all played for themselves and their look and their contracts and stuff. And they were doing their best to get Zach Wilson to kind of come up to their level so that they can play together. But I think that they did realize that they got to make it happen because Zach Wilson's not going to make it happen. What kept them going? I think it was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show every single week on social media, talking to them literally like just like uh like like you know going to the games even though he's still recovering he was showing that leadership and keeping the team together i think more so than sala in my opinion um of course we're not in the locker room i'm not in the locker room this is all from what i see and hear you know from the games um but that's my honest opinion on 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 what's going on with the jets i think that that's my biggest issue with uh Salah. and the reason i say that like the 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 whole the difference between Dable, Salah, and and Shanahan is because, you know, Dable's been here only a couple a couple of years, but his record's fourteen and eighteen with one and one in the playoffs. Salah's eighteen and thirty three, one year removed, one one year one year on top of that. And you know, Shanahan, we don't we don't have to talk about Shanahan because he's had plenty of success, even though he hasn't gotten the chip. You know, someone's getting to the Super Bowl, we don't we we can we can you know gripe all about like what he's uh, doing wrong to not win the chip, but we can't put him in this conversation if we're honest. So, um, but that is a difference. And, and, and again, for me, I have a lot more confidence in Dable leading the team the way that he wants to lead it because he's showing me that he's actually taking action and leading the team versus Sala, where I don't know what he's doing to lead the team. And that is don't where issues with, them, with him. Is. I think this is a, a question of extremes though. How much leadership is Dable taking to the point where he's forcing coaches out of, out of New York? That's an issue. You know, I mean, leadership is one thing. Forcing people off the team because you're a massive dick and they can't work with you is a problem. Nick Martindale is a massive no. dick also. Hold on. Stop. Good. Okay. Let me, let me explain the difference here. Because the answer or no? <laughs> let me finish my thought first. Hold on. Okay. Here's the difference. You have in Dable an offensive coach who leads a solid offense with a leader on defense that he had in in Wink, okay? Mm-hmm. So whatever shortcomings he had on the defensive side, he had a leader on that end that I could actually make something happen. He didn't have that in Kafka, 
but he's an offensive coach. So he could lead that side of the ball. When you're talking about a coaching staff as a team, when you're a defensive minded coach, you're going to lead the defense. And Salah did that with, with great skill this season, led that team very, very well. The reason you get a solid offensive coach, which we didn't have, is because you have that weakness as a, as a coach who's more defensive minded. Dable had that sort of safety valve in a coach that could lead the defense, which is not his strength. Salah did not. He did not have a coach that could lead the offense. Now, one thing I will say is this. Compared to last season, okay, we had the same record in both years. But in a way, there was a lot more inconsistency in this team this year compared to last year. That's where I have an issue maybe with what's going on with Salah. But in terms of excusing one and not the other for what's essentially the same situation, whether it's personnel for the players versus coaching that is that is having a severe issue with you either way both of them are having some form of leadership problems in different areas now we're going to see what happens in this coming season as well when it comes to both Dable and Salah but the other thing about Salah is that the inconsistency again was not all on him this season especially since it was the offense that was the massive inconsistency we hired a coach with a quarterback that were supposed to be the leaders of this team. And then when, when that quarterback went down and when that offensive coach didn't show us enough after that quarterback went down, what did the, what did the, the personnel squad do? I mean, or, or the front office, I should say. Jack shit. Okay. That is a big difference between what happened in, on the Giants versus the Jets. Because when, when, when we had an issue with, with the players that we needed to sign, we didn't do anything. And when you say that Aaron Rodgers led the team, he was the reason we had those problems. That's not leadership. His, he was the reason we had those problems going on Pat McAfee all the time. And, you know, I, I'm not going to blame him for getting injured, but I will blame him for trying to lead the team when it's not actually his team. Yes, it is offensively. I, 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 I got it real quick, real quick. It's not that I, I didn't say lead the team. I said kept them, kept them in the game. Like, you know, Walt said that he believed that, or rather kept them together. Walt said that Salah kept them together. I believe that Rodgers kept the team together. Leading the team, that's my issue that I have with Salah is I felt like there was no leadership, you know, of the team. But, you know, continue. But that's what I'm saying. I could say the same with Dable when it comes to his coaching staff. And when, when Aaron Rodgers came up as sort of a, a de facto offensive coach when our offensive coach was garbage, that was the backup that Salah might have needed. So they both kept this team together. Salah kept the defense from going off the deep end. And Rodgers probably kept the offense from going off the deep end. We had one of the best defenses in the league. You can't tell me that that has nothing to do with Salah's coaching ability. So is there a lot to look forward to next season? That's where I'm probably a little bit more middling in comparison to, to what you were saying, Walter, because, again, we need a bunch of wide receivers. We had better wide receivers last season. I mean – we have Garrett Wilson with an extra year under his belt, and he's probably a little bit better than that first year. But when he realized he was the only option out there, that boy started to struggle. And there wasn't a damn thing he could do about it because there wasn't anybody else we could get it to other than maybe Brees Hall. Okay? That's a big positive right there, obviously. But when you see what is it, what it is they're going to have to do to bring the offensive line up to snuff, what it is they're going to have to do to get the wide, wide, wide receivers uh, what is there going to have to do to get the right backup quarterback? 
Those are the things that are concerning, obviously. I, don't, I have no concern about the defense. We're going to lose a couple of great players, but the core of that defense is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And a lot of that has to do with Salah. Just like a lot of what Dable did offensively, or what the Giants did offensively, has to do with Dable. You have to give the, court, the, the coach a little bit more credit for playing to their own strengths. Okay? And that's why I don't see a huge fundamental difference. Maybe there's a little one. But a huge fundamental difference in leadership, I don't see. Um, now, when it comes to, like, the Jets further on, let me finish my point on the Jets. Hold on. <laughs> I lost a damn train of thought. Um, I didn't say anything. I, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I literally didn't say anything. <laughs> I can't, I, not it's a single Mind bullets. Yeah. Mind bullets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, I mean, I don't know. It's... It's going to boil down to what this team can do with a more limited amount of money in the offseason. We got to get a better offensive line, obviously. We got to get a couple more wide receivers. Randall Cobb ain't it. Al Lazard ain't it. Gibson ain't there yet, even though I think he's going to be a talent. Um, and the, the, the one other thing that I will say about Salah that I hope he learned this season, which was, yes, a massive weakness was – that man needs to learn when when he he has to take control of more aspects of the offense and the defense, even if he's not an offensive-minded coach. Because Dable certainly did that defensively at certain points last season, credit where credit is due, when the defense was struggling. I'm not saying he took responsibilities away from Wink Martindale, but he certainly took over a little bit more. He basically took over the offense for a lot of the second half of the season. So that's the thing that I want to see more from Stala. Am I saying he's as good a coach as Dable? No, I'm actually not. I think Dable is a better coach at this point, but this massive gulf in their leadership and in their ability, I think that that's exaggerated. I think that's beyond exaggerated. When you look at the outcomes, when you look at the, the coaches playing to their strengths, when you look at what side of the team is, is rallying around that coach, the offense rallying around Dable, the defense rallying around Salah, it is not this massive gulf that I think that you see there. And that's where I have some issue with this kind of consistent, you know, harping on Salah for a lot of the same mistakes that Dable made this season. But I mean, I guess that's my take on that. Here's what I'm going to say about the, the this, whole, this whole coaching situation. And I think, um, I think we're giving a lot of credit to Aaron Rodgers where it's not due. Um, yes, he he was a a positive force in that locker room, especially with the younger players. But you remember, he wasn't in the building for quite for until once he he was on the boot and stuff like that. For the majority of the season, he was kind of like a guy on the outside looking in. You know what I'm saying? So you know to say that he has this huge presence and he's the one that kept this team together. I got to push back a little bit on that because he wasn't in the building until toward the end of the season. So he wasn't sitting in on these meetings. He wasn't, you know, uh, in practice and things of that nature. It was once he got the okay to start throwing the ball around that you saw a, a more visible presence by Aaron Rodgers there. So, you know, this notion that Aaron Rodgers was, you know, keeping this, this team, you know, with yeah. string and glue, I, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, no, I know. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah, on. Pat, Pat McAfee. Right? That's distraction. Okay. That's not leadership. So, but there were, there were reports there from like the very get after the surgery 
let's talk about the timeline after the surgery, right? We're obviously not talking about before the surgery. Okay. Right. That, that he was, you know, messaging and calling players after every game and every, and like throughout the week and stuff until he was able to get on the field with a boot until the game with a boot to be there in person. But he was, and, that, and all his messages, and, hold on, all, all his contact was all about keeping them, you know, keeping the spirits up and not to mention, you know, playing with them, you know, keeping that like little, little, little fish on the, on, on the hook there saying, Hey, I'm coming back. Get yourselves ready. Win those games. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You don't think that okay, that didn't do uh, the majority of the motivation to keep them fighting? You're talking about little moments. You're talking about little moments. Yeah. And, and if how you want to talk about do that, Let's let's also talk about the fact that Zach Wilson got no responses from Aaron Rodgers at all. Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be his mentor. Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to teach, you know, Zach Wilson and make him the guy going, you know, going forward in two or three years. And and the fact that Zach was not even speaking to Aaron Rodgers. How, how do you how do you how do you call that? Zach was the guy that needed probably the most. Out of out of Aaron Rodgers, and he got none of that. Right. So you know, again, I, I I got I got to push back on this. Yes, I understand no, no, the no, motivational no. messages are fine and stuff like that. But until you're in the building and being there present at all times, at the end of the day, it's just a message. It's just a test yeah. message that you get on your phone. I mean, you, and know, you it, go it, you go it, from uh, there. You know. Now, let me just let me just because I know we're running short on time here. I got to talk about Salah real quick um, because Salah, I, I happen to like Salah as a, as a coach. I think he has a lot of shortcomings. I think this year was not a great year for him at all. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of his, a lot of his body language, a lot of the way that he looked after losses at press conferences. I think that was a disservice to him. I think that he didn't, he didn't, approach that well you know what i'm saying i think the fact that aaron Rodgers, you know all of this all of this hope was built on aaron Rodgers, and he was going to be here and stuff like that that was a deflating factor for this team you know and and it extends all the way to the coach which you you want to say it should or shouldn't and i i can i can go both ways on that i personally believe that as the coach he should have rose above above that and there are times that he didn't okay and it wasn't a good look on him. But I will say this. The front office failed him because yeah. there was an opportunity when he went down to get a proper quarterback. Now, you want to say that, you know, you can't get a quarterback because Aaron Rodgers is there and Tim Boyle knows the offense and Zach Wilson is a guy that you, you're going to have to do. You spent the first round pick. And those are all valid reasons and stuff like that. But at the same time, you also have to say, you know what? Maybe we we get a, get rid of Tim Boyle, and maybe we bring in a Jacoby Brissett, or maybe we bring in a Garden Gardner Minshew and stuff like that. But let's not let's not get it twisted. Those quarterbacks are backups for a reason. And Jacoby Brissett came in here, pants on fire, and you know what? He he eventually went down. The the other guy, the the one the ball headed cat, I can't remember his name, but um. You know, he he was a quarterback that that started oh, for uh, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Thank you, and Josh yeah. Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Right? Excuse me. Yes. Thank you. Yes. He's a right. guy that mm -hmm. he's a guy that jumped in there, 
lit the, lit the NFL Brian. on fire, and then within four weeks, he was back to being a backup. Backups are backups for a reason. So once you lose a franchise quarterback, it's very for any team to come back from, okay? Look at the Bengals. The Jets should have at least tried. The other thing that I will say is that for all the all the praise that you can give Salah for being a defensive coach, he was hamstrung on the offensive side because he was forced to have Paul Hack. I mean, um, Hackett on 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 the team as the offensive which clearly he is not a good offensive coordinator if he's not coordinating with Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, you can say all you want about Robert Sala and his leadership and stuff, but quite frankly, he was hamstrung this entire season by Aaron Rodgers, by the front office, and by his offensive coordinator. So if you want to put blame on anybody, you could probably put it on Woody Johnson and you can put it on Joe Douglas. Because they did not do any favors for Robert Sala and his coaching staff, so that's what I'm saying. Well, either way, I think we've already run out of our time. This is the end of our season as well as the NFL season. Um, I think you guys still have a lot to look look forward to from us, even though it's the end of our season. Technically, on uh, our recaps of the games, we still got the draft. We still have uh, what is it like? You know, free agency. Free, uh, what free agency? Free agency. Um, we we still have the preseason and all that stuff. You know, we officially kind of get back to our recording ways. You know, on schedule when the season starts, when the 2024 season officially starts. But we'll give you guys a, a little bit of stuff here and there. Um, you can see us or expect to hear from us again next uh, after the, the 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 draft, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for joining us for you know this episode and every episode since uh, we have started. It's been an awesome year, I think, um, and we're only hoping to get better and better with with uh, every episode. So um, we can only do that as long as we have viewers. Uh, but don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe if you haven't yet. Don't forget to share this episode specifically with your favorite Jets or Giants co-fan. Um, and um, see you guys next time. Until then, go Giants. And go, go Jets. All right. I want to have a little into hell at the end, but you know. <laughs>